0: I'm Owen Bean with Bean Farm in Comanche, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
1: Hello, Texas. We are locked loaded and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we could be looking at the very first trillion-dollar farm bill. So how will that affect the 2023 Farm Bill debate? We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: When you look at feed yard inventories in our region, What you'll see is fewer and fewer cattle. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: New corn herbicides can help farmers with weed control, leading to higher yield potential. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today.
4: A deeper dive into 2022 U.S. ag trade numbers indicates exports by value surged, but so did imports. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today.
1: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. With the 2023 farm bill debate underway, we could see the very first trillion dollar farm bill, according to Texas A&M's Dr. Bart Fisher. He says that could slow down the process. With Republicans now in control of one chamber of Congress,
0: for me, one of the biggest questions I have is that, you know, when re- when Republicans took the House back ten years ago, back in 2011, uh, debt was entirely the focus at the time. Uh, and so here we are with with Republicans taking back the House yet again, again on the cusp of a new farm bill, and debt has doubled since then. And we're also looking at the prospect of a farm bill that's going to cost over a trillion dollars, uh, almost exclusively because of the food stamps or the, the SNAP program uh, itself is over uh, expected to cost over a trillion over the next 10 years. And so uh, we haven't been talking a lot about debt the last few years, but invariably it seems like we get to a farm bill and that's what everyone starts talking about.
1: Fisher says that could take valuable time away from working on strengthening the farm safety net, something nearly all farm groups support. And one of those farm groups is the National Cotton Council. Texas cotton farmer Sean Holliday was recently elected chairman of the NCC. He told me at their annual meeting it all comes down to money.
5: An increase in baseline would be very important to be able to do much at all with the farm bill. Uh, we do not have a bad farm bill at, the, at this point. Uh, the problem with it is that we don't have enough money in Title I to. Uh, to uh, overcome the uh, high input levels that we're seeing and uh, the ad hoc uh, monies that's come, whether it be the China trade money or the uh, disaster money due to weather related disasters uh, is actually been a support level that's kept people from getting in a bind and uh, that's emergency spending. So you can't really use that in the baseline, but if we could uh, make the case that we uh, needed to increase baseline, maybe we could improve Title One.
1: Holiday says another top priority is to preserve and strengthen the crop insurance program. Enrollment for the latest General Conservation Reserve Program gets underway in just a few days. Farm Service Administrator Zach
2: Ducheneau. It's never too early to start planning and start getting together. Your offer And our county offices are always willing to help producers get ahead of the game.
1: There are currently 23 million acres enrolled in the Conservation Reserve Program, with almost 2 million set to expire this year. Here in Texas, we have over 3 million acres enrolled. The majority of that is in the Texas panhandle. Sign up for this round starts February 27th and ends April 7th. Feedlot inventories in Texas are shrinking. James Hunt tells us there are fewer and fewer cattle on feed.
2: In recent years, there has been a concern that feed yards in our region were perhaps a little too full, an inventory situation that was putting downward pressure on fed cattle prices. Well, it appears that's not really a problem these days. Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says, overall, feed yards throughout the association's three-state membership area of Texas, Oklahoma, and New Mexico are running at about 82% capacity, a much lower figure than has been seen in recent years. you
3: got to realize that we never hit 100% capacity. Typically, if I look at what we've done in the past, coming through COVID, we were at 89% capacity, and that was with a million head of animals, uh, fed animals, backed up in the feed yards during that 2021 timeframe. And then even last year, when we were stuck at some of these uh, prices and we weren't able to move from week to week, we were at 89%, which means that we were probably pretty full. I've never seen this at 90% capacity.
2: On Friday, USDA releases the monthly cattle on feed report, giving us a look at feed yard inventories nationwide. But ahead of that, Miller says Texas Cattle Feeders estimates that within the three-state region, the number of cattle in pens is down 6.5% from a year ago. So with a fall off in the number of cattle going into feed yards and significantly higher sales to packers, we are now in a supply and demand situation that is rewarding cattle feeders with some of the best prices they've received in nearly a decade.
3: The consumer continues to buy our product. We continue to export our product. So we expect these prices to stay pretty decent moving
2: throughout the rest of the year. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Texas corn farmers will have two new crop protection products at their disposal this year. Tom Nicoletti has more on the two new herbicides.
3: Today my guest is Kelly White. She is U.S. Product Manager for corn herbicides with Corteva AgriScience. And uh, Kelly, there are two herbicides that will be available to Texas corn farmers in 2023. What are those and how are they going to help them?
6: Our two new corn herbicides, the first is Resicore XL, is going to be a pre- and post-corn herbicide. The second one is a post-only corn herbicide, and that is named Cairo. We're getting state approvals for Cairo. We do have state approval for Resicore XL, so we will be able to utilize that in the 2023 season.
3: From TEST and uh, what you folks know about this particular uh, herbicide, how has it proven to work in cornfields?
6: Really great. Both of these products are three modes of action and with residual. It's important when you think about the weed spectrum and resistance that we have in the fields that we're not just starting clean in the fields but also staying clean throughout the year to manage those weeds.
3: And certainly flexible weed control can lead to higher yield potential.
6: Absolutely. Weeds contribute to a lot of yield loss in terms of competing for similar nutrients, rain, fall, light. So we want to be able to eliminate those if we can.
3: What else can you tell me about these products and uh, how they'll be beneficial to corn farmers across the Corn Belt and uh, in particular, Texas?
6: For Texas specifically, the application window is really important. For ResiCore XL, you're going to have the flexibility of going pre all the way post up to 24-inch tall corn. Cairo is post only up to 24-inch tall corn. So when you think about the weather events or application window, being able to go up to a higher application window is really important.
3: That is Kelly White with Corteva Agriscience. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: U.S. farm exports set a dollar value record last year, but Gary Joyner says imports set that same record.
4: U.S. agricultural trade had another record year in 2022. Both export and import values reached new levels. A recent market intel report from the American Farm Bureau Federation indicates export value topped $196 billion. That's an increase of $19.5 billion, or 11 percent, compared to 2021. Pretty impressive, given the average year-over-year increase in ag export value over the last decade has been 3.3%. On the other side of the ledger, ag imports by value also increased significantly. Values were up 16%, or nearly $28 billion. The U.S. ended 2022 with an agricultural trade deficit of $3 billion. This is the second time it has done so in the last 10 years, during which the 10-year average has been a trade surplus of $12.5 billion. It's also important to note export volume actually declined by 6% in the past year. U.S. exports remain concentrated in the top six markets. 67% of U.S. ag exports were to China, Mexico, Canada, Japan, EU, and South Korea. Exports by value to all six of these markets increased in 2022. Last year was a mixed bag for U.S. agricultural exports. Exports by value surged, but so did imports. This is an area worth watching for Texas farmers and ranchers. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today.
7: There are a few areas in Texas where turkey hunting is likely to be better than others. I'm Jessica Dolmull and I'll have those details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And insulin resistant horses must be fed low carbohydrate feeds to prevent laminitis. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Insulin
1: resistant horses must be fed low carbohydrate feeds to prevent laminitis. But Dr. Bob Judd says the parameters for choosing these feeds is
9: questionable. Virtually all of the veterinary literature over the last 20 years has indicated to feed low NSC feeds. NSC stands for non-structural carbohydrates, and if you had an insulin-resistant horse, you were supposed to feed a ration that was less than 10% NSC. As I said, this figure of 10% NSC has been recommended for a long period of time, but the problem is that all labs do not calculate NSC the same method, so this is very confusing. There are multiple fractions of carbohydrates, and one report lists NSC as starch plus ethanol-soluble carbohydrates, or ESC while another lists NSC as water-soluble carbohydrate, or water-soluble carbohydrate plus starch, and some labs even include fructans. Many of the labs don't even calculate an NSC value. So you have to know how to calculate the value and what parameters to use when you get test results from feed labs concerning your hay. Dr. Eleanor Kellan is the moderator of the Cushing's and Insulin Resistance online chat group that has over 32,000 members. And she indicates that NSC calculated by using water-soluble carbohydrates, starch, and fructans causes a lot of good hay to be rejected, as fructans do not cause an insulin rise, so this value is not important, in her opinion." She believes that we should determine the amount of carbohydrates we are feeding to insulin-resistant horses by adding ethanol-soluble carbohydrates, or ESC, plus starch, and not focus on NSC due to differences in labs. I know this is complicated, but just realize when choosing hay for your insulin-resistant horse, make sure the ESC plus starch level is less than 10%, and not focus only on NSC values as in the past. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: There are a few areas in Texas where spring turkey hunting is likely to be better than others. Jessica Domal has more in today's wildlife report.
7: Thanks to a wetter and milder than normal winter, Texas hunters can expect a good spring turkey hunting season. Jason Harden, Wild Turkey Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says there are a few areas where hunters may have a better chance of bagging a bird. Across the Rio
8: Grande range in Texas, if you're near riparian habitat, you're probably close to Rio Grande turkey, so hunting should be good. We've seen a decline in that population along the eastern panhandle in Texas and parts of the Trans-Pecos in that area, but in general... If you're in Rio Grande range, you ought to be in pretty good shape. Now, overall, as an ecoregion, the Texas Hill Country almost always has some of our highest harvest rates and largest number of hunters, lots of riparian habitat, probably smaller blocks of property, but lots of turkeys scattered out. So that's probably the best landscape to go and get a bird. But there's phenomenal hunting across South Texas, the cross timbers and still in the rolling plains.
7: Hunters in Texas can target eastern turkeys in the spring
8: there are a handful of counties in East Texas with an open season. I think about those Northeast Texas counties along the Red River from Grayson, Fannin, Red River, Lamar. Those counties have a handful of birds, Red River and Grayson probably being the highest density of birds in Northeast Texas. And then you go down to Southeast Texas, Polk County, Nacogdoches, Sabine, Jasper County, a few others down there. And that's probably one of your better areas. If you look around Sabine County, Newton County are probably the best two counties in uh, southeast Texas to take a bird.
7: Spring turkey hunting season opens March 18th in the Rio Grande South zone. In the other zones, it opens in April. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmull.
1: It's time again for a look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
7: The cattle complex traded mostly higher on Wednesday thanks to good consumer demand. February live cattle up 15 cents to 164.90. April live cattle down 2 cents to 165.07. June live cattle up 22 cents to 161.10. Feeder cattle were also supported by corn trading lower for much of the day on Wednesday. March feeder cattle up $1.10 to 187.97. April feeder cattle up 95 cents to 191.75. May feeder cattle up 75 cents to 195.62. Box beef was higher Wednesday. Choice up $1.42 to $288.62. Select up $2.05 to $272.89. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
8: My guest today, Seth Crane, Union Commission Hondo Livestock, sells them every Monday. Seth, how'd this Monday sale turn out for you and your dad, Butter?
5: Shorter run this week, Larry. 244 head. Probably ended up with 50 cows or so. Packer market, they did add money to the cows and the bulls. 62 up to a dollar five on our top cow. Uh, lots of those cows upper 90s, over a dollar. Uh, packer bulls from 79 to a dollar 18, and most any bull bring up over a dollar pretty well today. On our pears from 700 up to 1390, and on our bread cows from seven and a half up to 1240. Uh, lots of demand on those little. Uh, younger type cow that looks like uh, calf and yardland market still very good uh, just as strong as what we saw there last week almost it looked like your two to four weight steers anywhere from a dollar sixty up to 242 the two to four weight heifers anywhere from a dollar fifty two 2 to 209 uh, getting into your uh, uh, five to six weight steers dollar 58 to 216 five to six weight heifer dollar 45 to two bucks six to seven weight steer dollar 42 to 206 6-7 weight heifer, $1.35 to one 7 7-8 weight steers, $1.35 to $161. And your 7-8 weight heifers, $1.18 to one thirty six. Just a really good market all the way around. If, if the guys need to sell some cattle, sure looks like a good time. Uh, in the meantime, our next sale is next week. If we can help you, feel free to reach us, 830-741-8061. Get me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or hondolivestock.com.
8: Seth, thank you very much. You bet. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today.
7: All right. Thank you, Larry. Lean hogs traded lower Wednesday following Tuesday's rally. Analysts say that traders may have just been more cautious as they watch those pork cutout values. April lean hogs down $2.55 to $86.55. May lean hogs down $1.42 to $95.75. Block cheese was steady Wednesday at $1.96. Barrel cheese rose 1.75 cents to $1.60. February class 3 milk fell 3 cents to $17.88 a hundred weight. March class 3 milk fell 7 cents to seventeen seventy-seven. May cotton rose 35 points Wednesday to 81.88, July cotton at 15 points to 82.52, December cotton fell 4 points to 82.08. Corn traded lower on Wednesday as the corn crop in Argentina received some much-needed rain. March corn down six and a half to 674. May corn down six and a quarter to 674 and a quarter. September corn down five to 607 and three quarters. March hard red wheat down 28 and a quarter to 876. May hard red wheat down 24 to 869 and a half. July hard red wheat down 20 and a half to 861. March soybeans fell nine and a quarter to fifteen thirty nine and a half. and a half. November soybeans down 3.5 to 13.95 and a half. March natural gas rose 9 cents to 2.16. April natural gas up 12 cents to 2.29. Crude oil fell by over $2 a barrel on Wednesday. According to Reuters, investors are worried that recent economic data will encourage more aggressive interest rate hikes by central banks analysts say better U.S. economic data should mean better oil demand, but the concern is that the Fed will over-tighten monetary policy to bring inflation in check. April crude oil down $2.48 to $73.88. May crude oil down $2.41 to $74.12. The Dow fell 64 points to $33,064. The S&P 500 fell two points to $3,995. The NASDAQ rose 26 points Wednesday to 11,519. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today.